Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. All right, John McGonigal, it's time to talk a little Penn State football, even though they're on the bye week. It's the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Penn State is off, but practicing this week. We are off, and we are not practicing this week. We're still going to have a bunch of content, but it's a good time just to check the pulse of the team, see what we thought about the Northwestern game the last two weeks, but also the first three weeks. It's almost like a tale of two different teams. But how are you doing? I heard you got a little vacation time coming up. You're going to go someplace where it's warm and enjoy your Philadelphia Phillies in the playoffs, your unbeaten Philadelphia Eagles. It's a good time to be you, man. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, the rain just avoids Nashville. That'd be great. Uh, heading down there for some for some bye week fun, and uh, you know this upcoming weekend, the Phillies in the wild card in the playoffs. Longest, uh, well, once the Mariners ended their drought, the long became the longest drought in Major League Baseball is over. The Birds are undefeated. Good vibes, Bob. Good vibes all around, and uh, and the Nittany Lions are five and zero too. Uh, even it was a little uh, muddy and rainy and nasty against uh, Northwestern. Uh, anyone who is a Penn State Eagles Phillies fan is, uh, you know, feeling pretty good during this bye week. Yeah, they are. Although I think there might be some Penn State fans that were just a little. I think they were. I know the weather was bad, right? It was bad. It was a raw day. Uh, the rain's always a problem, but Northwestern's not good, and we saw a Penn State team that really we hadn't seen through the first month of the season. That is, you know, they, they kind of hung their hat on their turnover margin, among other things. And it just did not go well for Penn State. Four lost fumbles. Sean threw an interception. He probably could have thrown another one at least. It was just, I, I get the weather wasn't, wasn't great, but I don't think, <laughs> clearly James wasn't happy with the fumbles. I know they found a way to win and the defense and the kicking game are still, you know, kind of spot on. But what, do you, what are your thoughts as they uh, get a little time off to prepare for that road trip to Ann Arbor. Yeah, it was one of those games against one of those teams in Northwestern that once you got a 7-0, 14-0 lead, you felt pretty secure. I know that you know they scored a touchdown there uh, on, on a longer play, and then he gets a little dicey at the end. But uh, Northwestern, it never really felt like Penn State was in serious trouble, and at least until uh, P.J. Mustaver came up with that goal line stop on fourth and goal, which is a huge play. But yeah, the fumbles are just one of those things where you hope that that's a one-off. You hope that's a flush it out of their system, especially with the freshman uh, Nick Singleton going into the doghouse uh, in the second half after a second fumble, Catron fumbling as well. 
you know, they ran pretty well. And even Kevon Lee, you know, coming back and getting in into the rotation, showing off that vision, had a couple of 10-yard runs. I think the offensive line has done uh, you know, enough uh, you know, against Northwestern and otherwise uh, to feel confident about the running game going into this bye week. But yeah, ball security is something that certainly needs to be cleaned up and not just from a running back standpoint, but Sean Clifford, another so-so, man, whatever, whatever you want to call it kind of performance is kind of what he what he's been doing over the last couple of weeks now after the Central Michigan game. It's just uh, it, it's it's not great football from Sean going into the bye week. They're, they're going to get a little time off, right? And they're going to have extra time to get ready for Michigan. Michigan's got to play at Indiana this weekend, also at noon. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things that I think they're going to be facing much tougher competition once they do uh, get back uh, on the playing field. And you just wonder, you know, when they needed to play well against Auburn, even though they didn't, they didn't pass the ball much, Sean did make some, they did get some, they get, got some chunk plays, right? When they needed the touchdown after uh, at Purdue, when they were down after he threw the pick six, he was able to do that as well. But you watch him play as a 24 year old who's in his sixth year. And sometimes it just doesn't look that way. And, you know, to his credit, he uh, met with the press after the game. He said, you know, he acknowledged that he'd, he'd like to have a few throws back. There was a play in the end zone that he and uh, Trey Harrison, you know, just missed on, on a touchdown that I think really would have really would have maybe eased some of the anxiety going around the fan base. But the weather was bad. You know, let's just talk, Johnny, about a couple of personnel notes. Keandre Lambert Smith, right? First drive. Looked like it was he limped off the field, did not return. James isn't going to tell us anything about injuries, but, you know, they're struggling to, other than Mitchell Tinsley, you know, and Parker and Brenton Strange, they're really struggling to get consistent production from other talented players in the passing game. I think that's a concern because I Izzard was able to play after missing, you know, the first four games of, of the season. He was able to play a little bit there in the first half. It looked like they rusted Hunter Norzad again. I would imagine he should be good with almost a month off for Michigan, but it just the, the whole idea right in season is to get better as as the season goes on, and I think they've gotten better on defense. And Barney Amore is just I don't know what to say about him. He's he's it's the I I was really worried about Jordan Stout's replacement going into the year. I needed to see a little bit more these last two weeks from the passing game. I didn't see it, and I don't know what that means when they when they're going to go play at Michigan. Yeah, I think from a defensive and a special team standpoint. I think you're happy with where you're at going into this bye week. Barney Amore, 12 out of 23 punts pinned inside the 10-yard line. That'll get the job done. I mean, it's kind of crazy that only this week was the first time he was the Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week because he's been uh, incredible since being uh, put on scholarship uh, in training camp. The defense creating turnovers like they have you know, all season long so far. And it wasn't just the secondary you know, with Jair Brown and Joey Porter and those guys. You know, The front four was getting after Nick Tarburton was in the backfield. Chop Robinson was dropping guys. Abdul Carter at linebacker active yet again. So I think you're confident in what you've got uh, in your defense and really up the middle too at D tackle with Izzard coming back. Mustafer rounding into form after that season ending injury at Iowa. Hakeem Beam in a couple, you know, back to back batted passes at the line of scrimmage uh, to force a turnover on downs. And Devon Ellis as well, uh, you know, who started. Uh, those four are going to be key in the Michigan game when you know they're going to be looking to run with Blake Corum and get that thing rolling. Uh, if those D tackles and your linebackers can step up, I think that's going to be a big matchup to watch. But offensively, yeah, I just don't think we've seen enough uh, out of Sean Clifford. Not, I think we've seen enough tape 
I mean, I, I don't think we've seen enough, you know, enough good throws, enough production, enough confidence uh, in the downfield passing game hasn't really been there. And, you know, it works for everyone. It, it falls on the wide receivers. It falls on the offensive coordinator, Mike Yersich, but it falls on Sean Clifford uh, to throw a good ball as well. I mean, he had a guy streaking down the sideline. I believe it was Mitchell Tinsley and just overthrew him against Northwestern. He is three of 17 on deep passes this year, Yard, you know, passes of 20 yards or more. <laughs> and that completion rate is worse in the country uh, among quarterbacks who have attempted at least 15 passes. And so uh, the pa- deep passing game is going to, you're going to have to hit some of those plays against Michigan and Ohio state and even Minnesota in this upcoming stretch just to at least keep the defenses honest. You, know, you got to take those chances uh, when you have them. Uh, you mentioned Trey Wallace. If it's a, if it's a dry day, I think he catches that, uh, that touchdown, that one-on-one, which I thought it was, it was a fine, you know, a fine ball by Clifford could have been a little bit better, but uh, yeah, without Keandre Lambert-Smith, if he is out, we saw him in a walking boot after the game, uh, walking through the tunnel. Uh, if he is not ready for the Michigan game, it's going to fall on Trey Wallace and even maybe Amari Evans and some of those other younger guys uh, to step up at wide receiver and provide another option outside of Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley, and Brenton Strange, who's had a really good uh, you know five games so far. If I had to rank the units uh, through five games, the defense is 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 at the head of the class. The kicking game would, I think, you know, as as good as Barney has been, I'm still not quite sure about Jake Pinniger uh, as as a specialist. He made a he made a field goal there, I think, in the second half against Northwestern that they really needed. I'm still not quite sure about that. James has mentioned kickoffs as an issue, um, but they haven't necessarily been hurt uh, with a big return. But I think he's just worried that the way that they're the way that they're kicking the ball, they're leaving themselves open possibly. To a big return, but the special teams, I think, has has more than kind of held its own, especially especially when it came to field position through five years. The offense, man, I just you know, it's I don't want it's hard to dog a team that's five and zero, oh, and I'm not going to dog them. You want to see them kind of hit hit in, in every level of the game in the passing game on third down. Third down's been an issue, right? Third down's been an issue this season for Penn State, and maybe part of that is like you said, some. Some of Sean Clifford's long passes just are not connecting. Three of 17 uh, isn't going to cut it. The freshman runners, you know, Nick Nick had some great games against Ohio and Auburn. And Katron, you know, he missed that first half for uh, – James wouldn't say what it was, but it clearly was some kind of 30-minute uh, suspension. He won't say what it was. He didn't want to embarrass anyone. But when he did take the field, they rode him pretty good. He is a talented back. You know, as this season unfolds, I think they have a pretty nice one-two punch. I'm not sure where Kevon fits in, but I just don't know if if a if a dangerous running game is going to be enough for them to kind of get through the start of the second half of the season when when the season resumes. It feels like they're missing this kind of like spark, you know, something that you you can hit on one play in, in the passing game at least because I think you have the possibility with Nick Singleton even when he takes an 8-9-10 yard run up the middle, it seems like he's like one arm tackle away from breaking a 60, 70 yard touchdown. He brings that. I mean, Kevon Lee, I, I thought looked, you know, solid, you know, his vision, just a couple 10 yard runs there, getting back into the swing of things. Uh, but Katron Allen, the way that he runs away, he hits the hole, hits a second level uh, and really doesn't take many. You know, he took a few uh, breaking a, a long streak without tackles for loss. But uh, the way the way that he works. Uh, you know, kind of the holes and, and gets into open space. I think you're really encouraged with what those running backs have shown you. I think the offensive line has done enough, but there's just that spark missing in the passing game. And it's not Brenton Strange's fault because I think he, he's been one of the best tight ends 
in the country from a blocking standpoint, from a catching standpoint. He hasn't had any drops this season, which he had a few last year. Uh, he's had 15 catches, four touchdowns. He's been a red zone beast for them. Uh, and Parker Washington, I think, has just been a matter of getting him involved more. I think they've made it a point and emphasis to do that over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've liked what Mitchell Tinsley has done because, you know, he transfers in from Western Kentucky and puts up, you know, crazy numbers there. But you don't know how that's going to translate power five team against power five opponents. And I think he's done a really good job. Uh, that third receiver is an issue right now. And, and really, Sean Clifford, he looks great one moment. You know, and it looks bad another, and then he looks great. I mean, look, the, the Purdue game is really just a strong Clifford experience, you know, in a, in a microcosm, in a bubble. It's him throwing a pick six and, you know, costing you the game and then going ahead and winning it for you. So, look, it's hard to ding a team for being 5-0 because, you know, if Penn, if you gave Penn State fans 5-0 before the season, they're going to take it no questions asked. But I think the way that the Auburn win went, you know, 41-12, to it was so dominant. I don't want to say it's a negative sense, but there's just something – something hanging over this team right now. It's like, Hey, you didn't come out and, and kick, you know, kick the tail ends, you know, against central Michigan and, and Northwestern. Like you probably thought you would, and you probably could have. Yeah. And uh, to your point about the passing game, you know, I think their long play in the passing game was in against Purdue and it was Bretton Strange's touchdown. I think that's the long passing play. That was a scramble drill in the final 30 seconds of the first half when it looked like they might even take a knee. And it was a short pass that Bretton Strange really turned into like an additional 45-yard catch-and-run score. But even that play, technically it's a chunk play, but it was really all about his ability to make yards after contact. So I think I think you are right, and I think that is something the next couple of weeks they got to figure out how can they get the ball down the field a little bit more easily in the passing game, take some of the pressure off of the running game and play a little bit more complimentary football on offense. I wanted to ask you, you know, you know, it was never, even though the fans probably wanted it, and there, I thought I heard some booze, Johnny. There, it was never an option for for either Mike Yersich or James Franklin to give Drew a series. And you know, I think I think that now that they're going to play some tougher teams, if Sean's healthy, I think I don't know that we're going to. I don't know how much more we're going to see Drew unless something goes completely wrong. Yeah, there were definitely some booze in Beaver Stadium. It wasn't this all out. It wasn't. Like, you know, Philadelphia Eagles game or, or anything, Bob, wasn't crazy. But after Clifford's interception, after the near interception, you know, the one that was dropped, and then after that missed throw to Parker Washington in, in the fourth quarter when he was wide open, after those three plays, you heard you heard a little bit. Now, yeah, you know, James Franklin said after the game that you know, at no point did they talk over the mics or, or anything about, you know, Drew Aller going in the game Look, I, I don't think it's going to change against Michigan. Uh, if Sean goes out there and throws three interceptions and they lose by three touchdowns, then I think you have a conversation uh, on your hands at that point. But at this, you know, you're five and zero with your senior quarterback, and and again, it, we're only a couple weeks removed from him having total command and control of this offense and this team at Auburn when they went down the SEC. And, you know, Auburn is not looking like a good team, but that doesn't, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's really the moment. And and that, that Saturday at Jordan-Harris Stadium, I mean, he was in complete control and him, win, you know, again, almost costing them, but winning the game at Purdue. So you're only a couple of weeks removed uh, from that. And, you know, while the, the interception was bad and a couple of other throws were bad against Northwestern, again, one, the weather was was really crappy. And two, it was only his second interception of the season. So two two picks in five games, they weren't good throws, and they were throws that you're thinking, hey, Drew Aller might make that throw. 
or Drew Aller might make a better decision on that, but maybe he wouldn't. One and, and two, he's played okay. He's played okay. He's played fine. Uh, it's easy to nitpick when you've got a guy waiting in the wings that has everyone excited. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the blue-white breakdown. Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders on Penn State's bye week. When Penn State resumes play, I'm sure the listeners and the viewers know that by now that Penn State and Michigan are going to kick off at noon uh, on the 15th. It's Fox's big game. That means Gus Johnson, you know, Joel Klatt, all those guys. It's, it's going to be, you know, quite a scene out there in Ann Arbor. I know the fan base is excited about that. Johnny, let's... Let's before we talk about your AP ballot, and I know that you had your reasoning up on Sunday where you ranked Penn State. Let's just talk about a couple of the biggest surprises on Penn State's team in our minds through you know through the five games. Let's let's each get to a couple. I'll defer. I'll give you I'll give you first pick. If you had the, I'm going to ask you for like two or three guys. I'll come up with two or three guys. Who to you? Is, has been really, really, really a special player, and maybe we didn't, you didn't really think they were going to be that good this year. Yeah, this might be me like selling a story that I'm that I'm coming out with here, <laughs> but you know, shameless plug. I'll I'll take it. Abdul Carter has just been so good for this linebacker core, and and linebacker aside from the offensive line, I think was the biggest question mark on this team coming in, and it was a big question mark specifically going into that Auburn game when you have you know, Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby and. You know, TJ Finley can run, and Robbie Ashford can run it back. And you know, after the the secondary was tested and proven to be one of the best in the country against Purdue, and even after that, the question was the front seven and the linebackers specifically: can they hold up against this Auburn running game? And they did more than that. And I think Abdul was in the center of it all. You know, a true freshman. You know, we talked about Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and Drew Aller, and even Deny Dennis Sutton and other guys like that. You know, before the season. Abdul Carter as a true freshman, I think, has been one of this team's best players uh, so far. And I wasn't necessarily you know shocked to see that because we all knew he was a talented guy. You know, the high school guys at, uh, at LaSalle College High School outside Philly knew that as well, which is, you know, I'll be getting into that uh, in a couple of days, um, you know, with a story dropping on that. But, uh, yeah, Abdul Carter, I think, has just been a revelation for this defense so far. And uh, and, and really the, the ceiling is uh, is pretty high for him. You know his start is even more impressive, Johnny, because he didn't he didn't enroll early. Like he just showed up, I believe, in August, and he must turn some heads really, really quickly for them to just you know just elevate him and increase his snap count and have him out out of the game. We would even know more about him, but he was ejected from the Purdue game, right, for a very a very questionable targeting call, or his numbers would probably be you know a lot better. And looking back on that, you know. That could that was a, probably a big loss for Penn State's defense. In that unknowingly, we're like, ah, oh, the freshman's out. They were just going to give him a couple of snaps just to get him a little exposure. They like him, but it turns out that he's been a, an invaluable player 
the tip off for me is look, you know, when a defensive player, a linebacker says he wants to wear number 11, that to me says a lot because you don't wear, you don't ask to wear number 11 unless, unless you're a really confident athletic guy, because if you don't play up to the capabilities of, or show stuff that, you know, LeVar and Micah and even Navarro Bowman uh, late in his Penn State career changed to 11. If you can't handle that, it, it's not a good look. And I was like, boy, this guy's got some moxie. And boy, can he did he back it up? I'm excited to see him in the second half of the season. Johnny, for me, we're talking about Barney and Moore, and he has been great. To me, the, the guy that really has really, really impressed me is Olu, the Shanu, the left tackle. I mean... You saw, I saw in the Outback Bowl that he was not, when he made his first start, Rasheed Walker was hurt. Uh, he was not going to play. He might have opted out anyway, but you just don't know, man. You don't know. You, didn't, you never see anything from this guy, and you hear Penn State saying, oh, they really like him, but it's an SEC defense, first start, warm weather. You know, they're not necessarily used to that. And they had some problems on offense in that game, but he wasn't really one of them. And, man, he has just been really, really good through five games. You know, the national media have noticed and I think that, you know, he's a third-year player, but he's also a draft-eligible player, but he is physically talented. He's got quick feet. And if he continues to play at this level against, you know, you know the Michigan front, Ohio State isn't necessarily known for defense, but they got a lot of five-star talent on that team. Minnesota's got some good defensive players. If he continues to play at this level, boy, I mean, he might even have a pretty serious decision to make because I think, he he is absolutely trending towards being, you know, an all Big Ten pick and make it first or second team, and he he's earned it. I am I'm really stunned and pleasantly surprised, Johnny, by what his, he's been able to do because O line has really really been a sore spot for this team. James is here nine years. I mean, most of those years, uh, the fan base has been kind of holding its breath over this O line because it hasn't been very good. Yeah, I mean, he's been an immediate upgrade over Rashid Walker, who is a guy that, again, fell short of maybe his own expectations and internal expectations, but a guy who got drafted nonetheless. And uh, Olu has come in and played, you know, really, really well. You know, through, I think, three weeks, he had yet to allow a pressure. And it's not just him. It, it's it's his partnership with Landon Tengwall that I think you've seen grow over these five games. That's something that Penn State can rely on, that that left side, that, you know, Clifford's blind side taking care of because – you know, Olu is just such a, you know, his quick feet, his size, it just makes it so hard, whether it's a defensive end or a blitzing linebacker or a DB to get around him and to get through him. Uh, he's just, he's been a, just a very good player and and one that, like you said, uh, you know, nationally, you know, has, has caught some attention. I saw, you know, the athletics, Dane Brugler, who is one of the more respected guys in the NFL draft space, uh, had him as a guy who, you know, could enter uh, the first round discussion if he continues to play. Uh, the way that he's playing, especially with it being, at least from what I read, uh, a pretty light uh, tackle class in, in the 2023 class. And so, uh, yeah, he has an opportunity to, to make some buzz, make some money here in these next three weeks because, yeah, that Michigan front is going to is gonna test him. And Zach Harrison, too, you know, for Ohio State, a guy like that on, on, on the Buckeyes will test him as well. And so I think he held up well against Derek Hall, uh, against Auburn, and uh, he's, he's passed all the tests so far. All right, Johnny, give me another one of your guys that you really, really like his game and you didn't really maybe know he was going to be that kind of a player for Penn State through five games. You mentioned Barney Moore. I feel like I, I feel like I have to in a little bit more on him because uh, especially even after the, the, uh, the Central Michigan game, being able to talk to Barney for an extended period of time, 
uh, getting to hear his story. You know, he transfers over from Colgate. Uh, and, and when he was there, he didn't know that he was going to be playing power five football because he was going into 2020 after the 2019 season thinking, all right, 2020 will be my last year punting. Uh, and then, you know, they, they end up canceling the season because of COVID. He enters the portal. He's living with his girlfriend in Virginia for a year because his parents are living in Switzerland and he can't get there because of COVID. And, you know, he ends up just reaching out to like, every FBS coach in the country, finds a connection with one of Penn State's like assistant staffers, uh, like a special teams analyst who used to coach in Switzerland. And they bonded over that, I guess. And, you know, he's at Penn State now and, and he comes in in 2020, uh, you know, 2021 and, and realizes, hey, Jordan Stout's here. He's pretty damn good. I'm not going to be playing this year. Uh, that's not really how he planned it. But, you know, he red shirts and look, 12 punts of his 23 landed inside the 10. I mean, this dude is just automatic and he's so much fun to watch and he's a weapon. I mean, Penn State's won the field position battle. And again, it, it really helps when you're on the road against Auburn. It helps when you're on the road against Purdue. It's going to really help when you're at the big house. It's going to really help uh, if you stall out against Ohio State to against an offense like that to make them go go the you know go the distance. And so I think Barney Moore has just been one of the best players on this team, not just on special teams, but he has been one of the best players on this team through five games. Yeah. And just to be clear, this list is of as is of pleasant surprises. We're not necessarily like Joey Porter is probably not I'm not gonna I'm necessarily mention Joey Porter, even though he has been, I think, phenomenal. Just unbelievable, has raised his uh, game clearly, uh, has raised his draft stock. You know, from that very first game at Purdue, he has just been really good. And now teams are really starting to shy away from him. I think Joey Porter is just a legit first round talent. But we're not, we're talking about surprises here on the Blue White Breakdown podcast. So, but I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay in the secondary. And I want to, I want to mention two corners. As far as the surprise, Johnny Dixon, based upon what I saw from him last year, um, I think he has been – there's more to the pass defense than Jair and Joey Porter. You look at all those pass breakups, I think it's 49, either 48 or 49. It's, I think it's more than they've had. They had, they had all of last year. An aggressive mindset, Terry Smith coaching them, Manny Diaz like preaching, you know, let's get after these guys. If you get a couple flags, who cares? But I think Johnny Dixon and Kalen King, to me, I just think they have been they have gotten better and better each week. And if you're an opposing quarterback and, and Pence, you know, the rest of the way in the Big Ten, Big Ten quarterbacks, they're not necessarily stat that's not necessarily a stellar group once you get past CJ Stroud. I mean, there there are some there are some struggling passers that Penn State's gonna face. And I think you're gonna see these turnovers uh really start to you're gonna see a lot more of them. You're gonna see a lot more pass breakups, but I don't know who you really want to attack at corner. If you're an opposing offense, I know that they went after Daquan Hardy a little bit. I like him a lot, too. But on the outside, man, good luck. Because if you don't want to throw at Joey Porter, that means you're going to test Kalen or you're going to test Johnny Dixon. And they are both aggressive players. Johnny Dixon had that huge fourth down pass breakup that sealed the deal. And I thought Kalen King, as a physical player, he's going to have some interceptions very, very soon. But those two guys, to me... Couldn't be more impressed, and I didn't think they would be this good at this point. I agree. And look, Joey Porter, Purdue came right at him in the first game, targeted him 14 times, and he had six pass breakups. Since then, the, the three games after that, he was targeted seven times total. Auburn didn't even look his way. You know, this dude is so good. We have to we have to look you know the other side of the field and look at the other corners. But Kalen King has stepped up. 
you know, Johnny Dixon has stepped up. You know, his uh, sack at, as well at the end of the Purdue game was a key play uh, in pushing the Boilermakers back and making that difficult for them to try and drive down the field and uh, stage a comeback. And so, yeah, those two guys have just you know, exceeded my expectations as well. And I think even the depth at safety too. We heard a lot about Zaki Wheatley you know, during training camp, both spring ball and training camp, winning the takeaway king. Uh, but him and Jalen Reed and playing early, you know, obviously it's it's Jair Brown, it's his safety room, and Keaton Ellis is a veteran guy as well who's been playing well. Wheelie and Reed, those two guys have just been all over the place. And I think I, I like that Prowler package that they've been able to use on third down, getting Jair Brown more as using him more of a linebacker, playing to your strengths and getting more DBs on the field. I think is great for the development of, of those rooms and and the future of your secondary, uh, you know, both at corner and safety. But uh, you know, they've been playing uh, really out of their skin through five games so far. And uh, if you're Manny Diaz, you just got to love what you you've been able to get out of your back end. Yeah, I want to mention at least one more player. We probably should at least talk about the two young running backs, but they were kind of we kind of knew they were going to be pretty special. Maybe not this special, but. To me, a guy that has really, really, really uh, stepped to the front is Chop Robinson. Second-year player. I know he was a five-star talent at Maryland. Limited production last year. But I, I feel like he's their best defensive end, and I'm not sure it's very close right now. And I think Nick Tarburton has raised his level yet again this year. And I think Adisa had a, a really good game against Auburn. And Deny, you see the talent, right, with, with Deny Dennis Sutton, and it's only a matter of time before he starts to take over games as well. Whenever Penn State has to have a play, and it's in the passing game, if he doesn't get there, he gets close. I mean, he he had a big pressure in the Purdue game at the very end of the game he beat. He beat that right tackle right off the snap, and he was in on O'Connell, and that was was a wrap. When it's a money down and 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 they need a money play, a money pass rush, this guy is is a pretty special player, and I know he was a five-star talent, but I, I think that he is... I didn't think he was going to be this good, Johnny. I think he's he has a chance to be really special. Well, when he's playing, you forget that he's a sophomore. You forget that he, this is only his second year of college ball because that's how good he looks. I mean, there was a couple of plays in that Northwestern game. The one you know down and tight when Northwestern was at like their own five or whatever it was, and Chop ends up on a on a you know stunt inside and meets the running back and just pile drives him. That must hurt so much. Like I feel bad for that running back and I feel bad for the quarterbacks that have to line up and look at that dude across the way because, you know, he's just, he's been getting after it like crazy. Like you mentioned, Adisa had a really nice Auburn game. Deny Dennis Sutton, I've been impressed with, especially the Central Michigan game and the Auburn game, three sacks in those two games. You see the talent, you see the talent with Nick Tarburton and the improvements that he's made you know, with his first career strip sack against Northwestern. But man, Chop Robinson is just different uh, right now, and and the ceiling for him is is crazy. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him go up against Michigan and uh, Ohio State's offensive lines. Yeah, if we had more time, we could talk about this all day. I just want to mention a couple players real quick because I don't want to overlook anyone. Katron Allen, I mean, it has the last couple of games, beginning with the Auburn game. Boy, Nick Singleton is 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 an elite talent, and I I think the consistency is going to come for Nick. It's he's not going to. There's going to be a point where he's not just known for a breakaway threat. He's going to be a guy that they could trust. But Katron Allen is a different kind of runner at this stage. And boy, if you're going to trap him in the backfield, you're going to have to really work hard to do it. Um, between the tackles, he's a special player. And I just think that Brenton Strange uh, from the tight end room, you mentioned him earlier, but I didn't I didn't see him with four touchdown passes, a 67-yard catch and run score where he looked like Gronk. I, I did not see that. I didn't see him 
you know, pancaking five or six Auburn defenders in that game and just opening up huge holes. I give him a lot of credit. You know, the tight end room in general caught a lot of grief for their blocking, I think, in the offseason. And a couple of those players, I think, still have a ways to go. But I can't find any fault, I think, with Bretton Strange. Maybe James Franklin can. But boy, he has taken it seriously. He's a different player. And Penn State's running game is better for it. Agreed. And, you know, again, you look at that Auburn game, you know, the, the, the pancake block that he had to spring Nick Singleton on that first run. I still love the call from uh, from Brad Nessler that, oh, you know, Nick Singleton has really been bottled up. You know, they've kept him in check. And then Brent Strange makes the block. He pancakes his dude into, uh, you know, into the shadow realm, Bob. And then uh, Nick, you know, goes on and runs for 54 yards. And Brad Nessler's like, oh, yeah, Nick Singleton, not in check. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, again, that play though, it, it is that is Nick Singleton, right? That is his speed, that is his power, that is his ability to get to the edge. But it's also Brenton Strange making that block in an area that he's really improved on. Uh, he's been a red zone beast for them, you know, a security blanket, a guy who is willing to hurdle someone, who's really willing to you know run through someone. He's playing like one of the best tight, tight ends in the country right now, and uh, from you know every aspect. And so that that's a really big. That's something you can hang your hat on as an offense that. Uh, one, that he's performing the way that he's performing, and two, that you're able to get him the ball. I mean, I thought the play design by Yursich on Saturday against Northwestern, the little fake pitch out to Yvonne Lee, you know, the fake block by Brenton, and, and he gets up the seam, gets up to the sideline. I think it was a really nice play. And uh, so, yeah, they got to continue to get him the ball. I don't think that's the last time we're going to see that play. That worked pretty good, and I could see how a defense could get totally fooled, especially in the red zone. Too. We haven't seen the last of that. Johnny, I think we covered all of our surprise package bases here as we uh, wrap up the blue white breakdown i know you're headed to the south for a little r and r and i know you're going to enjoy yourself but just want to remind the viewers uh and the listeners that the blue white breakdown podcast this isn't the only one i i believe dave and i will have one a little later in the week i think you and dustin will have one a little uh later in the week i'm excited to read your your profile kind of on abdul carter we're going to have some other things depending upon availability the rest of the week but it is the bye week uh, Penn State, well deserved bye week for them. Five and zero, you know it's it's just amazing to me. They they pull out that game in, at Purdue, and that really sets the stage for what's been a an impressive start. They, the offense needs to get some things fixed, but boy, there's a lot of right answers on the Penn State team. I think through five games, and there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that would like to have the minor uh, glitches that Penn State I think needs to fix. I don't know how you feel, Johnny. No, I agree 100. percent Again, you cannot. You can't complain about five and zero. Oh. There, there might be little things you can nitpick. We can talk about Clifford, the downfield passing game. You know, early on in the season, you were hoping to see more out of the pass rush, and they have plenty of time to answer these questions. They have opportunities ahead to answer these questions, and they're five and zero. Oh. They're not three and two, so they're going to be high profile, high game. You know, everyone's going to be watching. All eyes are going to be on uh, Penn State, Michigan uh, next week. Penn State, Ohio State in a few weeks. They're Big Ten title contenders, Bob. That's what they are at 5-0 and and you know, ranked in the top 10. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, real quick, where did you have them this week and why, why, why did you slot them there? Yeah, I had them 10. Uh, I thought that was fair to move them up. and I, I would have had them up at 9 if Ole Miss didn't end up uh, beating Kentucky. I was a little lower on Ole Miss, uh, and I felt like I needed to you know correct that a little bit. But uh, And if it was more convincing against Northwestern, I probably would have slid Penn up 9 or 8. But safely in there at 10, I think it's a good spot for them. All right, Johnny, enjoy the rest of your bye week. I know that you will. You don't get cheated, man. Neither do I. So that's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown Podcast. Even though it's the bye week, 
Uh, we have more coming on Penn State football. You guys uh, check out the podcast and check out the Penn Live site for uh, our subscriber content. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>